Hi, this is Steve Poor, and you're listening to Pioneers and Pathfinders. Today, we welcome Isabel Parker to the podcast. Isabel has long been a leader in pushing boundaries and driving change in the legal profession. She started her career as an associate at Freshfields, and after a brief break, she rejoined the firm to lead legal services. She eventually took on the role of Chief Legal Innovation Officer, where she was part of the leadership team driving the firm's digital transformation initiative. During that time, she spearheaded the formation of Freshfields Legal Services Center in Manchester, a first-of-its-kind captive ALSP. Today, she's the executive director of the Digital Legal Exchange, a nonprofit whose mission is to enable legal leaders to deliver measurable commercial value to the business and its customers. If that isn't enough, she recently offered a book, Successful Digital Transformation at Law Firms, A Question of Culture. A link can be found in our show notes. Listen in to today's conversation and learn more about Isabel's fascinating journey, to hear how it informed her take on digital transformation in law firms, and to hear her advice for how to achieve the firm-wide mindset change required to achieve transformation. I really enjoyed talking to and meeting Isabel, and I hope you enjoy listening to the conversation. Isabel, how are you? I'm great, thanks. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for making the time. I know it's getting towards the end of your day over in the UK, but thank you for squeezing us in. Well, it's an absolute pleasure and an honor to be asked. So thank you for thinking of me. Well, we're happy to do it. Let's start. You've had a very interesting career to date, and I'm sure much more cool things to come. And I want to talk a little bit about your time at Freshfields and your book. But let's start with the Digital Legal Exchange. As I mentioned to you, we've had Mark Cohen, Michelle DiStefano on, but it's been a while since they've been on. So tell us a little bit about what the Digital Legal Exchange is and how you see it fitting into the larger transformation of the legal industry. Yeah, with pleasure. So the Digital Legal Exchange, firstly, it's a not-for-profit. It's entirely independent. And we have a mission to accelerate the digital transformation of the legal function. So so our target audience, if you like, is the corporate legal team rather than a law firm, for reasons we can go into uh, in a moment. And what's sort of special about us, I think, is that our differentiator is that we, we don't focus so much on legal tech or legal ops, both of which are very important, but I think are well served by other membership organizations out there. We focus on digital legal transformation in concert or hand in hand with a business, with a broader enterprise. It's got a very business focus. Tell me what you mean by digital legal transformation. Define the term for our listeners. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a tricky one, isn't it? And lots of people don't like that term very much. For me, I would define it against innovation. So innovation is one particular type of change. It's creating new product offerings, potentially to new clients and looking at new ways of working. Digital legal transformation or digital transformation is broader than that. It's a very holistic undertaking. So it's, it's about technology for sure, but it's also about people. It's about culture. It's about process. It's about the customer experience. And it's that sort of holistic view of how you deliver to your end customer. That is digital transformation versus innovation, which is arguably slightly more incremental in approach. So it's it's a big undertaking, digital transformation. It means really changing how you think. It's a mindset as much as it is a program or or a project. And that's what you're focused on at DLEX. 
Yeah, because our observation has been, and from our, our members, we hear this a lot, that, you know, historically, the legal function has been considered the blocker, the department of no, underfunded, not enough technology, a little bit sort of a dinosaur in its approach. And often has been considered to be the, the, the last bastion clinging to its old ways of working and, and refusing to change. And it's become, in some cases, quite divorced from the business. And our objective, because we can see that our members, our corporate legal teams that are hungry for this, is to help them work more closely with their business colleagues to drive that change. Because lots of these organisations that corporate legal teams serve are going through huge digital transformation programmes themselves. They're changing not just the technology they use, but the way they work. They're working in an agile way, for example. And corporate legal teams are often structured very differently. And for, for transformation to be effective across the enterprise, everybody has to be on board. Everybody has to be purpose-driven, thinking about the culture, working in new ways utilizing hopefully the same systems and technologies so that you can really drive proper enterprise value. And where the legal function is a silo or an island, that's just never going to happen. So that's our objective, to take us beyond legal ops, beyond legal tech, into this world of holistic digital transformation with the enterprise. And how do you execute on that objective? I mean, every business is a little bit different. You talk about culture being important. Some companies may move into agile manufacturing. Some companies may use different process techniques. Yeah. How do you do what you're talking about? Well, I mean, the exchange isn't a consultancy, so we're not here to give people answers or frameworks. But what we would say, as you correctly point out, all corporations, all businesses are different. However, there are very many themes that run horizontally across all different industry sectors and corporations. And we see those consistently come up from our members. So what we try to do is to connect our members with others who are on the same cheesy word journey. So amongst our membership, we have a broad spectrum. Some are just starting out thinking about digital legal transformation. Some are really very sophisticated and right at the other end. But everybody has common concerns, worries, areas of focus. So what we try to do is connect people together so that they can support each other, share safely, you know, without breaking any antitrust rules or giving away any strategy. But just share safely what they found helpful, how they've overcome problems. And by connecting those people as connection points, you can start to drive real change and shared learnings. And so that, that's really the way that we do it. But, but I, I would slightly challenge and say, although sectors are different and corporations are different, the challenges tend to be very, very common across the board. What are those challenges you're seeing that are common across the board? I assume you've seen successes come out of this, even though DLEX is, in the scheme of things, a relatively new organization. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure you've already had some early successes. Yeah, well, we've seen a lot of progression in our members. So we've only been up and running now for, I think it's just about two years. I've been involved just for a year. And during that time, we had COVID. We've had many ups and downs, like, like all uh, organizations. And so we've been learning and evolving as we go and working out how we can best serve our membership. But we are seeing that there are lots of common trends. One, and this will be no surprise to you or to your listeners, is that for legal functions, securing the budget for any kind of wholesale transformation is a really big challenge. I think there was a recent Harvard Law and EY report that said that 97% of GCs struggle to secure the investment they need for a transformation project. So that's one common challenge. And we have seen a way to overcome that is to really focus on how you demonstrate the value to the business of the transformed legal function. So 
putting together a really robust business case that's realistic about the costs, but also articulates the benefits that will come from you know, wholesale digital legal transformation, the benefits of speed to market, speed to contract, getting products out there more quickly. Even some of our members have started to build their own products, white label them and sell them into, the, into their industry sector. So there are lots of potential upsides to really thinking carefully and deliberately about your digital transformation. So the biggest challenge is securing budget. The answer to that challenge that we've seen from our members is a really clearly articulated business case, clear about the costs, articulates the benefits, and can demonstrate that value back to the business. The challenge, though, is in putting together that business case. There's not a lot of very reliable benchmark data out there on which legal functions can draw because it's still relatively new and not many legal teams have fully transformed themselves. So what we do try to do at the exchange is to draw together some of that benchmark data that we can then share with our members because it's we're independent. You know, we don't have an angle of not selling anything. So we can really elicit honest responses from our members that we can share across our membership to allow them to see where they fit on the sort of maturity scale and, and what benefits they might expect should the transformation go to plan. So why have you chosen to focus your membership on the corporate side as opposed to the law firm side? I can guess at it. I bet I'd be pretty close, but I'd rather hear it from you. Well, I'd, I'd be interested to know what you think, actually. I mean, who knows where it might go would be my first response. We don't want to be elitist or you know, cut ourselves off from, from people that we can help because this is a mission-driven organization. What I would say is that, in my view, there's more energy and appetite for change coming from the corporate legal function than there is from the law firms. And there may be a bunch of reasons why that's the case. I suspect it's probably because corporate legal teams are serving organizations which are themselves placing digital transformation right at the center of their strategy. So they really have to do it, or they're going to be left behind. I also think that hopefully there'll be a, a sort of knock-on effect or a sort of effect of osmosis because, as you clearly will know, law firms are very much led by their clients. So as their clients change, so the law firms will change. So we've seen it with diversity. We've seen it in, with ESG. So hopefully this will also help to drive that change to the law firm market as well over time. Was that what you thought I would say? <laughs> yeah, I, I also think I'm curious whether the organizational structures of the two different types of entities factor into it, having grown up and lived my life in a law firm structure, you know, there's not as much top-down organization in a typical law firm as there may be with a GC. You're still dealing with lawyers. You're still dealing with the difficulty of change for that sort of breed of person. But you grew up in with, at Freshfields. So we're going to get to that in a moment. So you certainly know as well as I do the challenges of driving change in a law firm. Do you see the organizational structures as being either an impediment or an accelerant to digital transformation? Yes, definitely. I think you're absolutely right. I don't want to be, we'll get onto this, I don't want to bash partnerships because, you know, they have many strengths as well as limitations. Yes, I do. And I've grown up in that structure and I've seen some of those strengths in action, but there are certainly structural elements of the traditional law firm partnership that which are simply inimical to change, I believe. For example, the short-term investment horizon of distributing your profits out regularly, that makes it very, very hard to commit the multi-year investment that a proper digital transformation really requires. I do think there's a sort of homogeneity about the culture within a law firm that makes it quite difficult for people to think differently. And when you can't think differently, innovation or real change is quite hard to push. And that's a function, I think, of the pyramid, of the hierarchy. So, yeah, there, there are certainly elements of the partnership structure that I think make 
wholesale transformation a challenge. Doesn't mean it can't be done though. Well, let's talk a little bit about that because you you drove a lot of change at Freshfields, which has been an award-winning firm in in the sense of innovation as well as you personally over the years. Talk to us a little bit about you were chief legal innovation officer at the time you departed, if I've got that right. Tell me about that role and sort of how you led up to that role at Freshfields. I know you started as an associate, took a break and came back in the innovation space. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, started came back. And the managing partner at the time had been my mentor when I worked in our New York office. And he said, oh, we're doing a uh, target operating model review of the firm. Do you want to help? And I was like, oh, my goodness, absolutely. I mean, dream come true. And he put great faith in me and sort of pulled me in to lead a team that was looking, uh, really doing a root and branch review of how we delivered to our clients and how we could do so more effectively and efficiently. And also, you know, to help the firm be more profitable. There's no sort of, that's not anything to to, to be ashamed of or cover up. So I led the team primarily in building our global center where we delivered our more process-oriented legal work. And as part of that, got very interested in, it makes me sound like such a nerd, but very interested in process, very interested in technology and how the combination of those two could really drive more efficient and effective client service. And then as I started to think about those concepts and started to think about how we can make our center hum more effectively, I got talking with our managing partner who said, look, let's just create this new role, chief legal innovation officer, go out there, drive some change, disrupt, which was really exciting, but absolutely terrifying. And if I'm completely honest with you, I had no idea what I was doing. It was a massively steep learning curve. And I spent a sort of six months in stasis just thinking, oh my goodness, yeah, I've got to learn and I've got to move fast here. So talked to a lot of people, read a lot of stuff, listened to a lot of people. And it was at a time when legal technology had just started to explode in the market. So there was lots of excitement. And I was given a lot of license, thank you, Freshfields, to, to do some really, really exciting and at the time pretty groundbreaking stuff. So we invested in technology. We really committed to process and the combination of those, those two elements to make things really work effectively for our clients. Um, yeah, so that, so that was sort of early part of our journey. And we pulled together an innovation team that was kind of atomized across the globe, if you like. Lots of associates who were very interested in technology, very frustrated by not being able to achieve what they wanted to with our le- legacy systems at the time. And we started to build energy from within the associate base and from our clients, very importantly, to go back to what we were saying before, to sort of try to get the firm to change the way it provided its services to its clients. And I'm not going to put my hand up to say I was solely responsible for the successes, but I think our team, by approaching it very strategically, did manage to make an impact. There's a lot to unpack there. And let me me start by picking up on the associate piece of it. What I'm hearing you say is that you focus your first constituency on the associates and their needs and begin to build a sense of momentum and change drivers from that generation that percolated up to the partners because the associates are excited and they're driving change. Am I hearing you right? You are, but if I'm really honest, we did create that sense of energy by using the associate base, but it did get to the point where they're not going to be able to drive the change themselves. Just a sense of energy and excitement alone is not going to really push us where we need to go. It has to be driven by the leadership and even more importantly, by that sort of middle layer of partners who are just so busy doing their jobs. It's not that they're not, they're not clever enough to get it. Of course they are. It's not that they don't care about the firm. Of course they do. 
but they're just so busy. They haven't got time. And innovation, as we were calling it, was seen, I think, often as an indulgence and a nice to have and a sort of add on. And our challenge was, okay, how do we move it from there? This, oh, everyone's excited that the kids love it. How do we make it part of the DNA of the firm? And, that, that, and I think at that point, I'd sort of hit a wall of what I could achieve. And I think they knew it as well. So the managing partner and the senior partner at the time brought in a woman externally who hadn't come from legal services. She was the digital transformation officer at Pearson, that's a publishing company. And she came in to really lead our team and lead the digital transformation of the entire firm, sort of root and branch from, you know, the data center and infrastructure right the way up to client facing legal products. And obviously when she joined, I was a bit like, oh, you know, this is me gone then. <laughs> you know, there's a new kid on the block. But she was absolutely brilliant. And having that outside perspective, bringing in insights from outside legal services was really, really valuable. And I would recommend anyone that's thinking about digital transformation to look outside what all the other law firms are doing. Look outside your own industry to really drive significant change. She came in and we worked together on a digital transformation strategy that was a sort of two-year program of work that would look at every single element of the firm. As I said, from, you know, infrastructure there right up to the real sexy stuff, the client-facing digital products. And we created the strategy. We communicated it relentlessly. We created a visual hook, a pyramid diagram, really simple, that we threw out with every communication. And when we knew it was working... So then the lawyers, the partners, started to use our language rather than their own language. It's like, oh, we've got them. We've got them. They're talking our language. And so it was those two insights, I think. Knowing when you can't on your own drive change any further, and I think that's an important recognition. I'm not saying I came to it myself, but it was the right decision. Having insights from the outside of the legal industry, really, really important. And that strategic approach to change, that is absolutely critical to success. Yeah, you know, I'm interested. It sounds like you had tremendous support from the senior leadership of the firm. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know how Freshfields is completely organized. But this is an ambitious change. Freshfields is a, is a great firm, makes good money, competes for high-level work, certainly wasn't in any dire circumstances by any stretch of the imagination. They could easily have said, life's pretty good. We're going to keep doing it the way we're doing it. And that probably wouldn't have been a bad decision either. But they chose a different path. Do you know what the drivers were for that? Because that's not an easy choice to make as senior leadership. No, it isn't. And I agree. And it wasn't plain sailing either. A lot of it was a battle sometimes to, to get where we needed to go. But I think there was the sort of tipping point or the catalyst was that we had, Freshers had a very strong advisory practice in the TMT sector. So we're starting to advise our clients, some really great clients on the legal and regulatory implications of their own digital transformations. And if you looked under the hood, what the firm was looking like and where we were in our own transformation, we were sort of nowhere at that, at that stage or we weren't where we needed to be. And I think the leadership could sense a disjoint between what we were selling and what we were being and that ultimately that was not going to work. And I think that's absolutely right. You have to really be walking the walk and talking the talk. It's not just about taking your tie off before you go into the pitch meeting. You really have to operate like a digital organization. And if you think about the timing, this was just before this 2018 to 2020. If we hadn't done it, we'd gone into pandemic and everyone working remotely. That was like clockwork. You know, absolutely no problem. All the legacy was fixed. Yeah, everyone was used to working in this digital way. But the timing was so good because if we hadn't have done that then, 
it would have been a big challenge come the coronavirus issues. So yeah, I think it was a re- realisation that we needed to be doing what we were saying, that w- what we were advising that we were doing. And of course, as you all know, and many of your listeners will know, there's a lot of client pressure to demonstrate that we were using technology, it's not just about technology, but that we were using technology to drive efficiencies for our clients more effectively. And clients were expecting a really seamless digital experience and service because that's what they get at home, right? If you're using Google or Spotify or whatever, that's what you're used to. Why should your incredibly expensive service provider, legal services provider, not be doing just as well, you know, giving you exactly the same level of service as you get elsewhere? So I think that, that was probably what tipped it. It's so interesting because your points are absolutely right that if you hadn't done it going into the pandemic, it would have made the handling of business in the pandemic much more difficult. You mentioned that one of the first efforts you made was your service center. What was that and how did you build support for that venture? Because it's, I can hear the lawyers now saying that's commodity work, it's low end work, it's we don't want that. Oh, yeah. How did you handle that change dynamic? That was a big challenge. There are so many different ways we tried to attack that one. We knew instinctively it was the right thing to do. We built a very, very strong business case around it with the help of a consultancy, a third-party consultancy who we worked with. And we sold that business case into the partnership in so many different ways because lawyers, they all have different touch points. So the litigators are really big on words. You know, they like to be persuaded. The finance lawyers really are going to scrutinize the numbers, you know, so we we had to cover every base. So we we produced a huge array of documents from PowerPoints to, you know, Excels to very, very long, basically advocacy pieces to try to anticipate everybody's fears and to allay them and show that we thought about them. But even having done all that work, and I have to say, we did a very thorough job led by a fantastic partner who's since left the firm, Paul Lemus. Um, which is such a thorough job, it was still a big challenge, A, for the lawyers to even admit that there could be, you know, split off or disaggregated into process work and the bespoke stuff. And every legal matter has an element of that. You can always disaggregate it. I know I've done it many, many times. But people don't like to think of their work in that way. I think it's sometimes quite threatening, not in a robots will take our jobs way, but in a kind of, that's not, we're an artisan. There's no process here. Thank you very much. So that we had to do a lot of that, which involved working with our transactional teams to start to break down what they did into process steps, really, really basic and say, look, let's dig into this. What percentage of this do you really think has to be done by you, third year partner or you, 10th year partner or you, newly qualified? So we did, we did a lot of that. We did a lot on cost to deliver. So what it would cost to deliver in the, in the traditional way, what it would cost to deliver under our new model. Obviously, there's lots of complexities around that I can't go into and, you know, how, how you slice and dice that as regards your clients is a, is a different question. But certainly there is a cost of deliver analysis. Can I make my mandate more profitable by using this resource? Yes, you can. There was a massive client angle. So clients liked to see us doing this because it really is about client service at the end of the day. And when we first conceived of the centre, it was basically the biggest office of the centre. It's global is in, is in Manchester, north of England. And everyone said, no one will ever go, no partners will go there, no clients will go there. It's just going to be like call centerville. Absolutely not the case. Beautiful. It was new. It was everybody, when you recruit, they were so enthusiastic. And we ended up having lots of partner offsites there, loads of client visits there um, who would want to come and see how we worked, how we adhered to process, what technology we used, what kind of people there were. So again, that built a lot of energy around the proposition. To cut a long story short, it's a multi, multi multi-pronged change effort. And 
it's still in process now. They're still working to make it. It's been a great success, but you can always get more out of it. Absolutely. The change process never seems to end. You learned a lot from your time in Freshfields, and I assume that's the basis. You've got a new book coming out. Yes, it's, it is finally, finally, what a long process was. It's finally there. The title is Successful Digital Transformation at Law Firms, A Question of Culture. Tell us what you mean by that, the question of culture. Well, there can be no sustained change without the right environment to foster and sustain it. It's like planting your seeds, right? You have to prepare the seedbed if you're going to get successful seedlings. And having the right culture to sustain change is essential for any successful digital transformation or any change effort that you're undertaking. What do I mean by the right culture? I mean a culture that is open, transparent, that encourages diversity and diversity of thought, focuses on the customer, the client, as we like to call them in in law firms, that treats digital transformation as a strategy, not a legal tech implementation project that puts its people first and hires the right kind of people, not just the best technical lawyers, but the right professionals to really drive the change. So there's many different facets of culture that need to be addressed if you're going to be successful in driving change through any organization, but in particular a law firm. And what I wanted to do in this book is say, I read a lot of thought leadership where people just sort of throw stones at partnerships. Oh, if you could just explode the partnership model, it would all work and just get rid of that and get rid of the partners. And that's just unhelpful in my view. And it's just never going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Why should it? Because frankly, law firms are doing pretty well, thank you, financially at least. So I wanted to write a book that would say, if you recognize that there is a need to digitally transform, and it may be that that's not the case for everybody. If you're Kirkland and Ellis or another fantastic firm, there are many of them, not picking on them in particular, and you're making a lot of money. If I walk into your boardroom and say, hey, guys, you've got to start doing some digital transformation, they'll be like, well, we really don't, so please leave. They've made a clear strategic decision about where to play and how to do it very effectively. They may not need the help. But if you're in that middle ground and you're not really thinking about how you can future-proof your business model and you're trying to be full service to all your clients and you're expensive and you're unwieldy, then I think you're not going to be around for very long unless you really start to think about digitally transforming. But throwing away the partnership model isn't going to fly. So how can you change? What can you do with your culture and your organizational structure to change within the constraints of the partnership that will really help you to be successful? That's the sort of idea. Yeah. So we're running out of time here and we want people to buy the book, but give us one insight from the book that you prepared to share. I will. I will. I've prepared this. I thought you might ask this question. Something I would really like to communicate, and it goes back to what I said was my experience in Freshfields. If you're going to change as a law firm, you must look outside the law firm community. You must look beyond the legal services industry for examples of successful digital practices and not ape them, but use them within your own law firm. And I think those practices can be boiled down to five. Here's my five. Really digitally effective companies are customer centric. So they focus on the client needs and customer experience above all else. They're strategic. We've talked a bit about that. So they treat digital transformation as a strategic endeavor, not a little implementation project or program of work with the beginning and end. They show commitment. This is such an important one. And we alluded to it earlier. So they commit to seeing the transformation through even when it's hard. And that's commitment to money and leadership time. They're people focused. They focus on the right people, the best people to make the change happen. And that's not necessarily just the best technical lawyers or just lawyers. And finally, they sustain that change by creating a culture 
in which transformation can really flourish. And that's a huge sort of piece of work in itself. But it's all about transparency, diversity, openness, all the things you might associate with a really healthy corporate culture and that sense of purpose. Those are five fabulous tips. Thank you very much for sharing. Thanks very much for having me. Yeah, I've enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for making the time, Isabel. Me too. Thanks very much. And if people want to buy your book, where do they go? I know they can go to Amazon. Yeah, I think it's on Amazon. It's called Successful Digital Transformation in Law Firms, A Question of Culture. I think it's on Amazon and also it's published by Global Law and Business. I'm sure they have a website too. Okay. Well, thanks for sharing. Thank you very much. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks for listening to Pioneers and Pathfinders. Be sure to visit thepioneerpodcast.com for show notes and more episodes. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform.